0: Welcome to Mill Creek Church in Belleville, Texas, where our worship service is in progress. Today, Pastor Monty Bird continues with his sermon series on the book of Romans. And now, Pastor Bird.
1: Join me in prayer, please. Father, as we approach your word this morning, I just pray that you would speak to us as we continue our study of Romans. I pray, Lord, that through the indwelling of the Spirit, that you'd continue to shape us through your sanctifying power. In Jesus' name, amen. If you recall from last week, we started studying the beautiful benediction found in the last chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 16. It's where we find ourselves again this morning. And I will read the benediction in its entirety, though we are focusing still on verse 25. Romans 16:25 it says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. If you remember last week, I spent our time on Paul's comment that Jesus Christ will establish us according to his gospel in the preaching of Jesus Christ. And if you remember, I made the comment that preaching is a means used by God to deliver his word to people. God works through preaching. And you see that in verse 25, that he used preaching to establish the hearts and minds of believers. However, the preacher has to be focused. You just can't preach on anything. I've been in churches where preachers have just preached on anything, but look at what Paul's telling us in 25. It says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to, the revelation of the mystery. In other words, the preacher is preaching about the mystery. And if you did a word search, Paul uses mystery throughout his letters. In fact, he used the word mystery 21 times. And you may say, well, I know what a mystery is. But the modern word for mystery is it the same word that we find here in our text this morning? And in fact, what Paul is communicating to the Romans in regards to mystery is quite different than what you and I know of the word mystery. In fact, the Lexham Bible Dictionary defines mystery as the understanding of formerly hidden knowledge that was revealed by God to his people. Aspects of God's mysterious working in the world are now understood or comprehensible to the people of God. So it's a different definition. You know, when you and I hear the word mystery, what do we normally think of as a TV show or a movie, right? It's a whodunit. That's not what Paul is saying here. And so when you think about that definition and you look at our focal passage again, it says that Paul was preaching a gospel of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Now, if Paul is preaching about a mystery, it's no longer a mystery. He said it was a mystery previously but now it is no longer a mystery. In other words, if you know the mystery, you then have discovery. It's no longer a mystery. It's been revealed to you. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, and we will see as Paul writes the church at Ephesus, this idea of mystery and when he discovered the mystery. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he has made known to me the mystery." "...as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel." of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, how did Paul discover the mystery? It wasn't by might. It wasn't by logic. It wasn't by morality. In fact, we all know the story of Paul, don't we? He wasn't even looking for it. And in fact, he was looking to persecute Christians when he meets Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. The only way that he received the mystery is that God gave it to him. And you see that here in Ephesians 3, in verse 3, where it says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery." The reason why this is so important, this word mystery, is it helps us understand what we truly have. And you'll see that later on in the message this morning. I remember one time I had a dear friend who happened to be an Armenian, and he gave me this paper that criticized Paul. Of course, that, that was my first issue but he criticized Paul and they attacked Paul in this word, mystery. And the paper was attacking Reformed theology. And the person that wrote the paper really didn't have a clear concept of what Paul was communicating. They were taking the modern definition of mystery And they were applying it to the letters of Paul to attack Reformed theology. He's gone on to his reward, and I'm sure he now knows that he was mistaken, in that what Paul was communicating into this idea of mystery. Paul said that it was revealed to him. Now, it's important to keep in mind that as Paul talks about the mystery, he said it was revealed to him as an apostle. It was revealed to him as an apostle. And in fact, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, this is Paul writing Timothy, and he said, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith, in truth. So Paul had apostolic power. He had seen Jesus. He was chosen by God. No one appoints themselves as an apostle. Now you may encounter some people today and unfortunately they have this theologically incorrect. When you talk to some people about their spiritual gifts and some people would say, well, I'm an apostle. Well, no, you're not. That's done. There's no more. There's no more. And Paul is saying, I am a preacher and an apostle. That's separate. He had apostolic power and God revealed to him the mystery. In other words, the plan of God as an apostle, he was revealed the plan of God by God. And that is truly the definition of the mystery. And in fact, in Ephesians chapter three, later on in the chapter, if you want an idea of a quick verse that defines mystery, if you look at verse 11, it says, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the mystery. It is the eternal purpose of God in Christ. The eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as Paul's writing this benediction, he's telling them of the eternal purposes of Christ. So the benediction meets the biblical definition of a mystery that I read earlier. Mystery in scripture refers to the understanding of formerly hidden knowledge that was revealed by God to his people. Aspects of God's mysterious working in the world are now understood or comprehensible by the people of God. So... When you look at 1 Corinthians 1, turn with me there if you would real quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to point out something because as Paul preaches the mystery, not everyone understands the mystery. And that's why I think it's very important that we understand what Paul's communicating here because not everyone understands the mystery, even though the mystery is being preached. And when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greek foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul said, I preached the mystery. I preached the mystery. Jesus Christ establishes you. And we see here that it's not by might, not by logic, not by intellect, not by morality. Why is it that we get the mystery? Why is it do we understand the cross? Why is it do we look at the eternal timeline and we see nothing but Jesus Christ? It's because he revealed it to us and that we were chosen to receive the mystery. We were chosen because at the beginning of 1 Corinthians one eighteen, it says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. God chooses us and he chooses us in his own timeline. I'll never forget, I was reading this book in defense of Reformed theology and Calvinism, and it was written by a person who wasn't saved until they were later on in their adult years, and they lived on Manhattan Island, and he said every single Sunday, him and his wife's, and I've shared this story before, but him and his wife's Sunday routine is that he would get up in the morning, he would get out on the street, he would walk down to get coffee and a New York Times, and they would spend the rest of the day reading the New York Times at leisure and drinking their coffee. That's what they did for Sunday. He said, did that for years. And the coffee shop and the newsstand that he frequented passed by a church. He said, for years, that was my routine. New York Times and coffee, walking by the church. And he said, one Sunday, I felt compelled to go into the church. He said, never had felt compelled before. And he went into the church and the preacher was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only did he accept Jesus Christ at that moment, he then went home and he told his wife, you have to come down here and hear what this man is saying. He took his wife down to the church and she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his testimony, he said, I walked by that church for years and never gave it a second thought, but I felt compelled to go in. Why did he do that? Because God called him and God called his wife. And they both came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is the mystery. Christ, my friends, is the mystery. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have been given grace that we understand it because not everyone gets it. I was talking to someone earlier in the week and I had mentioned that we had been to Israel. He was a Jew and he said, well, I went to Israel years ago. And he said, I was looking for just some deep, religious experience. And he said, and I got there. And he said, all it is is a pile of rocks. And I thought, well, I can't imagine that you just said that. But he was blind. And that's how we all are until God reveals the mystery to us. We are blind. And there is an aspect of our population that will always be blinded because it is in the plan of God. Now, people may say, well, that's harsh. I don't know if that's scriptural. Turn with me to Mark 4 as we read the words of Jesus. Mark 4, verse 10. It says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, this is Jesus, to you it has been given to know the mystery... Of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. There you have the words of Christ. Some will hear and understand and accept the mystery of the kingdom of God. Others will hear and they will not accept. And you go, well, how do we know? How do we know? Who gets the mystery and who doesn't? Turn with me to the third chapter of John. The third chapter of John. And it's the story of Nicodemus. And if you look at verse 3, Christ said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is what he tells Nicodemus. In verse 4, you can see Nicodemus' response. He said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, it's not us. It's not us. It's not logic. It's not morality. It's not intellect. God in His grace and in His mercy... He chooses us. I've told the story millions of times before, but I think it bears repeating in this context. My two roommates at Baylor weren't what you'd expect at Baylor. One was particularly horrible. He was the most anti-Christian person I had ever met at that point. He couldn't stand me and I couldn't stand him. In fact, we didn't stay roommates because of that. I was hurting his lifestyle. So he decided that he'd better have another place to live. And at that particular point, my freshman year, I, in my mind, I was wrong. I thought there's going to be a special little hot spot for that guy. That's what I thought. He had caused a girl to have a nervous breakdown and leave campus. He was a horrible, horrible person. My last year at Baylor, he comes up to me at Columbus Avenue Baptist. And I thought, got to be a girl here. Got to be a girl. I mean, I would have put this guy under the word predator. He was just not a good person. As he came up to me. And as I was looking at him face to face, I thought, boy, here I'm going to hear it. And he said, I wanted to come talk to you because this last summer, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. You could have blown me over with a feather. Here's someone who had the most despicable character, who was a horrible person. And I had already assigned him to the depths of hell but God revealed his mystery to him. And in the grace of God, he understood it and he was transformed and he turned over his life. I had one semester left in that conversation. And during that semester, I saw a transformed person who was living their life for Christ. Not by might, Not by intellect, not by morality. No, by the grace of God, He understood the mystery, which is Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? Why do we need to understand that? Because sometimes the temptation is, as we come into church, is that we look around at our population and our society, and we take the attitude of, Well, I'm glad I figured that one out. We didn't. It's through His grace. It's through His grace. We're not here because we're moral people. We are not here because we're moral people. We are here because we're Christians who God revealed His mystery to us and you and I have the ability to read His Word and understand and see Christ From the beginning to the end. He did say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And as we come together, we should be celebrating Jesus Christ and what we encountered with Jesus Christ in the life that we live. You know, you want to think about something about being thankful for as we enter into Thanksgiving season. Just think about what your life would have been like Without Christ. Where would you be? What would your life look like? It's Christ that keeps us. I don't keep myself. It's Christ. You don't keep yourself. It's Christ. And you and I are going to be able to stand before Him face to face. And we're going to have complete revelation at that point. And let me tell you it is going to be a wonderful, beautiful story. And we're going to fall down on our knees and we're going to give Him all the praise and the glory because it's not in man, it's not in power, it's not in us living out a morality on our own. It's about the name and life and power of Jesus Christ. And as a church... It is our job to proclaim the mystery. We've been told that. We've been commissioned by that, by Christ himself, that we are to proclaim the mystery. And we should be burdened by that. And I can't think of a time like now that means that we shouldn't be proclaiming. I mean, when you look at our society, when you look at our world, We should have a burden. Because, my friends, we're closer. We're closer. Is it going to happen next year? Is it going to happen five years? Is it going to happen ten years from now? I don't know, but I do know we're a day closer. And you and I all have friends and relatives and people that we know, that we interact with, that do not know the name of Jesus Christ. And we need to be proclaiming the mystery not our job for the results, praise God. But it is our job to proclaim and tell the name of Jesus Christ. And as we come to worship every Sunday, we should be giving thanks in our heart that for a reason unknown to us, that we've been chosen to understand the mystery. And that mystery is Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we just thank you that in your grace and mercy that we understand that Christ is the answer and that we can pick up our Bibles and that we can comprehend your truth. I pray, Lord, that you would burden each and every one of us to proclaim the mystery of Christ, that we might recognize that the time is short And that we don't want to have any regrets. And that we would be bold in our proclamation of the work of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that if there is someone listening that does not know you, that they might repent of their sins and turn to you and accept Jesus Christ as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us as Pastor Bird continues this sermon series. If you wish to hear more, you may find him at millcreekchurch.org or go to sermonaudio.com slash millcreekchurch. Prayer requests may also be left at millcreekchurch.org. Our church services are as follows. Sunday morning Bible study is at 9 a.m., followed by our worship service at 10 a.m. We have Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study, and they are at 6.30 p.m. For more information and our mission statement, please visit our website, millcreekchurch.org.